Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We're continuing our studies in Genesis, protology and eschatology, studying those first things as a lens to preview last things. And just to bring you up to date, we're talking about the flood of Noah, Genesis 6 through 9, and try to make the case that Genesis, Genesis 6 is not describing the intermarriages of the godly line of Seth with an ungodly line, as many Bible teachers assume without giving an ounce of explicit scriptural support. Okay, what is going on is a gross violation of God's order that fallen angels taking on human form and producing giants through their union and mating with human wives. This is a perversion of God's order of things. I've shared with you, I think, about a dozen scripture references to back up the claim, as well as the Septuagint is almost more explicit than the Old Testament Hebrew, and that Septuagint, the Old Testament Greek translation, was the one used by the apostles to spread the gospel in the first century. Now, why is this so important? Again, this is this is this is as explicit as you get. People, you know, what's the end time scenario uh, going to be? And Jesus put it in a sentence when he said, "As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man." That's Matthew twenty-four, verse thirty-seven. That's protology and eschatology in a sentence. So what was going on in the days of Noah? I've showed you what Genesis 6 was teaching in light of the Septuagint and other scriptures. And today, I'd like to expand on that and share with you some of the things that First Enoch. First Enoch was an early writing predating the coming of Christ, but in the period, so to speak, predating the coming of Christ, very widespread during the times of Christ. First Enoch was found in the Qumran settlements, the Dead Sea Scrolls. It was widely read. Again, I compared it to something like Pilgrim's Progress in America today. And First Enoch chapters 6 through 11 kind of expand the detail given to us in Genesis 6, the letter of Jude and 2 Peter chapter 2, all describe the same thing, but very succinctly, whereas uh, First Enoch, these chapters 6 through 11, expands it. Now, this is what Genesis says. Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination and thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, Original sin created a lot of problems, but the context of Genesis 6-5 is Genesis 6, 1 through 4. In other words, what these fallen angels were doing and their unions with human wives producing these giant, hybrid, mutant, wicked offspring 
was a part of the corruption, the further corruption of the earth. Again, it's not just Genesis 3. This is like putting afterburners on Genesis chapter 3, and it's in a further attempt to thwart God's plan. So what exactly were these fallen angels teaching? And again, I'm giving you in very succinct form what's taught in First Enoch. First Enoch is not the Bible, except it is the Bible, except for the, I should say, the Coptic church. It's part of their scriptures, but I don't think it is part of the scriptures. But here are the three things they taught. First, sorcery. Second, seduction. And third, war. These fallen angels and their offspring taught charms, the cutting of roots and plants for the casting of spells. They taught magic, astrology, and how to make sacrifices to demons. And basically, they taught early mankind kind of what you find in Harry Potter novels, the New Age section of your big box bookstore, and a lot of websites today. And the sorcery was corrupting the true knowledge of God. Second, they taught seduction. And this is a way that continually you lead people astray. And specifically, these fallen angels showed the early humans the metals of the earth and how to make bracelets and ornaments for women out of silver and all manner of precious stones. And then, you might be surprised by this, but they taught, in the words of First Enoch, the translation I have, eye painting or eye darkening using what we would call today black eye shadow. Now, I am just recounting what First Enoch says. When I was a Protestant pastor, uh, there was a certain kind of Protestant pastor we called a clothesline preacher. And if you ever heard of a lynching of a preacher, it usually was a clothesline preacher, so I'm not going there. But just remember, when the Bible speaks of moderation in all things and modesty, it would come also for jewelry and makeup and a lot of those type of things. And if you keep those principles in mind, you don't fall off the edge. And then the third thing they taught, first was sorcery, second seduction, and third was war. And this might be a surprise to you, but they taught men to make swords of iron and different weapons and shields and breastplates and various instruments of war. Now, I'm going to offend some of my conservative listeners right now, and I consider myself a conservative. So let's stay friends, but every now and then we could use a little challenge to our own thinking. And this is what I'd like to say that so often as conservatives, we are suckers. Because what's a conservative want, okay? Uh, amongst many things, obviously any true Christian conservative wants pro-life, that's, that's way and above everything. But conservatives, uh, even those who might be, you know, on the libertarian side or the non-Christian side, they want smaller government and fiscal responsibility. Now, you listen to Fox News, and I listen to Fox News, or read the Wall Street Journal, and I read the Wall Street Journal, or listen to Nikki Haley and Lindsey Graham, both from South Carolina. I don't know what we produce, but people who love war, 
or Mike Pompeo, who wants to run for president of the United States if President Trump doesn't run again. By the way, Mike Pompeo is a rapture guy, and so his view of the end times is going to greatly color his view of war in the Middle East. And, you know, there's many others. Here's the point. If conservatives, all conservatives want smaller government and fiscal responsibility, here's the point. Every war dramatically increases and expands the size of central government and balloons the national debt. It happens every time. And conservatives look at liberals and say, you want runaway spending for welfare, but we don't kind of look at our own positions calling for warfare. You know, sometimes we forget that the Sermon on the Mount includes this, from the lips of Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, as far as I know, I'm not an expert on this, but many Catholics who want to be peacemakers call for total disarmament, unilateral disarmament. And there's a, another way that I think might be a lot more acceptable <laughs> to the majority, particularly of Americans, and that's the example of Switzerland. In fact, some of our founding fathers of the United States looked to Switzerland and their what they called their armed neutrality. In fact, there's a book entitled Target Switzerland, Swiss Armed Neutrality by Stephen Halbrook. And I recommend that book. You can buy it used for a couple of bucks on Amazon. And one of the things you'll learn in there that the Swiss, you think, what are the Swiss? What do they do? They sit around, look at their nice watches, eat too much chocolate and cheese. No. The Swiss have over 3,000 rifle clubs. Yes, the peace-loving Swiss are not disarmed. They're armed to the teeth. And you can bring your gun, your rifle, to church on Sunday. And afterwards, there's shooting competitions all over Switzerland. In fact, you'll hear lots of gunfire Sunday afternoon in Switzerland. You know, the Germans, as that book Target Switzerland highlights, the Germans made multiple plans for the invasion of Switzerland. And the Swiss government says, if we declare war with Germany, every man, no matter what you hear on the radio and everything else, you fire your gun till your last cartridge and then you put on your bayonet. There's no surrender under any conditions whatsoever. And now the Germans in World War II were trained to shoot at 100 yards, excuse me, 100 meters. But the Swiss were trained at 300 meters. So one German was boasting like, what are you Swiss going to do if 500,000 Germans invade your country and you only have 250,000 troops? And the reply was from the Swiss man, we shoot twice. And you might be surprised that the armed neutrality of Switzerland came from a Swiss monk by the name of Nicholas von Flew. And you need to be aware that it's my estimation, I call it my educated hunch, and if you've been with me as we've gone through the book of Revelation, is that that pit or the abyss in Revelation 9, according to my, again, educated guess, has been actually opened for most of the 20th century. 
And that could mean a lot of our modern weapons could have been developed during the time the pit is opened and again the world being influenced by the very first fallen angels who taught mankind warfare from the very beginning. And twice in Revelation, it speaks about a battle at the great river Euphrates, first in Revelation 9 and then in Revelation 16. The great river Euphrates goes through Iran, Syria, and Turkey. And the United States, I believe, as I'm speaking right now, is increasing its troops in Syria. That's where this river goes. And Revelation 16 talks about the mouth of the dragon opens his mouth and the false prophet opens his mouth and three demonic spirits proceed out of their mouth and assemble the kings of the world to battle. Well, when the pit is opened, the world reverts to what it was doing at the very beginning. And it says in Revelation 9, when the angel opened this abyss and these spirits came out, they had been bound at the river Euphrates, they end up killing one-third of mankind. That's Revelation 9, 15. My point is this. During the 20th century, we developed nuclear weapons. The idea to develop the atomic bomb took place in September 1942 at a place in California called the Bohemian Grove, where both our Democratic and Republican leaders, along with the heads of finance, meet with types of pagan finance, and that's the location where we developed our nuclear weapons. I would just urge you to make sure your thinking and your life practices are not modeled under the fallen angel's corruption that we read about in early Genesis. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to 223 episode of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.